Shalom, Mishpocha. Welcome to this week's Kadima Talk. I want to share a little bit of this week about the spirit of excellence. Excellence is the quality of being outstanding or extremely good. It's being of distinction, of quality, of superiority, brilliance, greatness, having merit, caliber, eminence, and mastery. Characteristics of an excellent spirit is great character, integrity, honesty, compassion, humbleness, teachable spirit, ever learning, awesome, excellent work habits, dependable, meekness, consistent, confident, determination, diligence, adaptability, persistent, goal-oriented, enthusiastic, forgiving, self-disciplined, reliable, good stewardship, generous, grateful, guarding of the heart, positive attitude, faithful, hopeful, surrender to God, and Messiah-like. And I've got to share here that this encapsulates everything we've been talking in these past 50-some Kadima talks. To me, the ultimate uh, climax in this, the apex of this curve, is a spirit of excellence that incorporates all of these characteristics and behaviors. God blesses excellent. Where you find excellence, you will find God's favor. And you know, I, I want to give a couple of background stories here uh, to draw on the um, well of where I get a lot of this information from through experience and through training, through reading, through study. My father was a home builder. He owned his own construction business. He operated in this spirit of excellence. He was in business for over 50 years building customs homes. And, and listen to me, Mishpacha, you don't see this anymore. He only had one callback in all those homes he built. He only had one callback, and that callback was because the kids were showering with the shower curtain outside the tub, and the water was running down onto the laminate and the floor, and it started to peel up. He went back, and he fixed it, no charge, and told him to shower with the curtain inside the tub instead of outside the tub. Everything he did, he did with a spirit of excellence. He never cut any corners, and he had a reputation as an excellent builder in the area where I'm from. In fact, he became vice president of the Home Builders Association in the tri-state area where I was raised at. He was very particular about details, about the house being square, about the floors being level. He never let something pass that was substandard, ever. On the side of this, I also worked at a gas station, and uh, some of you don't know what this is for younger folks, but I was a pump jockey. It's hard to believe that there was a time when we didn't have self-serve gas stations and somebody come out and actually check the air pressure in your tires, check the oil, and uh, pump the gas into your vehicle. So I, I did this on the side in the evenings and on the weekends, uh, and I did a very light mechanic work. So I could do brakes. I could change tires, that sort of thing. Uh, but the owner was a young gentleman. And uh, he was Jewish. He was 27 years old. His father was the president of the synagogue in Erie, Pennsylvania, back in that day. And he was more like an older brother. Now, I, I'm 17 years old at the time. He's 27, owns his own mechanical business. He made race cars. And, and so we had more of a brotherly relationship than we did employer-employee. Uh, but in a short amount of time, I was given a lot of responsibility at this place and he turned to me after I'd worked there for about seven months, and, and with complete sincerity, he said I was the only employee that had worked for him in the last five or six years that didn't rip him off, that didn't you know take from the till, that didn't misread the tanks. We had to read the tanks and read the pumps. Those two had to mix. The, you know, If the main tanks were down 500 gallons, then the pumps should reveal the pump uh, meters that I 
pump 500 gallons of gas. And so everything had to balance out at the end. But that integrity, that, that ethic I'd learned from my father, because I'd already been working for him for 12 or 13 years before I ventured out into the other workforce. And before I joined the Navy, get this, um, he actually was buying a beer distributor and we're from Pennsylvania. So this is back then, even we're talking, this is over 40 years ago that that license was like $150,000 to get it. And he wanted me to manage and run the beer. He wanted me to go into business with him and I run the beer distributor. It, it was a tough choice, but I had to get out of that town. It, it was time to move on and do other things. Uh, but I, I'm sharing this with you, not to pat myself on the back or to elevate myself, but because I'd learned the spirit of excellence from my father. And so this carried forth in everything that I did. And when I was younger, there were several times I would do work uh, that my father considered sloppy. And, uh, and we would actually strike chalk lines on the roof where the, where the trusses were, or on the floor where the joists were. In those days, we didn't have power nailers. We put every six penny, every eight penny nail in by hand with a 22-ounce framing hammer. And if you were offline and that nail missed that joist or that trust, uh, you had to go back underneath it and pull that, push that nail back out and put it back where it should go in the joist or in the truss. So to make sure you didn't miss, he would actually strike chalk lines so that every six inches you would get the right nail down correctly. We had to check and measure, check and measure. It had to be square. It had to be level. And and he, he put that into me, even though at the time, I, I'll be honest with you, it seemed rather irritating at the time because as you're a young person, you're like, well, what's the big difference? Well, the difference was he had a name and a reputation of being an excellent, high-quality builder, and that comes through the behaviors and the metrics that we started with. So I, you know, I want to share with you that no matter what you do, if you're a business owner, if you're serving God, if you're a teacher, if you're a spouse, everything you do, you have to do with a spirit of excellence. And, and how do we do this? Well, you know, for my father, we started work at 7.30. We started work at 7.30 a.m. every day. We had precise hours. So we, we were stewards of that. We didn't show up at 7.30 and started to, to set up. I became the setup guy as soon as I could drive and was 16 had my own license. I got to the job site at 7 a.m. I got the saws out. I turned the lights on. I got the extension cords. I got everything set up. So at 7.30, we were literally working, not setting up, but we were working. We have that here in the congregation. For those who visit, if you look online, we have a five-minute countdown. And at 7.30, Ms. Pocha, at 7.30, we are starting the service. It could be a hurricane. We could, it could be a tornado coming. Half the staff couldn't be here. But time is holy and at 7.30 p.m., Erev Shabbat, every Friday, we sound the shofar and we start the services. And so these are some of the qualities you do. If you have a business, you know, you show up 10 to 15 minutes early. If you're a worker, you show up 10 to 15 minutes early. And, uh, and you know, we, we used to call that a bell tapper in the Navy, someone who got there barely in time. Then that made your watch relief late because they showed up just on the nick of time. So you have to do a turnover. Listen, show up early. Don't pack up the leave until you're off the clock. That's the other thing. We quit at 4.30 p.m. sharp unless if we had a big thing going on, if we were roofing or, you know, we had three more sheets of plywood to get on the roof and it could shed water, we would we'd work past 4.30. That did happen. But we didn't uh, stop work at 4 o'clock and then put everything away. We stopped work at 4.30. Then we put all the equipment to the saws and we put everything away. You know, when, when you're at work, Honor your job. You, you don't surf the internet and and play video games. You don't take excessive breaks or two or three hour lunches. You don't steal office supplies. You know you do above and beyond what's expected of you. Work hard. Be a team player. And the Navy, listen, 
the Navy was one of the easiest things I think I've ever done. And, and here's a synopsis. Show up when they tell you to show up. Wear what they tell you to wear. Cut your hair the way they said. And do what they ask you to do. If you do that bare minimum, you'll excel. If you take that little extra responsibility, if you seek a little more um, work to do, if you put in 105%, 110%, you quickly excel and scream up the ranks and get advanced as you seek more responsibility and accountability. And so you do those things uh, by doing above what is expected, to work hard, to be a team player, to study and improve your skill sets at your job. Don't be satiated with minimum. You know, we had a saying in, in the in the government, and we used to hear this, especially when I was at the shipyard once, uh, you know, this is good enough for government work. Well, that's not good enough for kingdom work. And if you're a child of the kingdom, then you need to work in the spirit of excellence. Keep your work area clean. Have a great attitude. Listen, one of the worst things that I experienced, and let me jump back now into my Navy career, you know, a squeaky wheel is a working wheel. So when you when you got a lot going on and the sailors are grumbling a little bit, if they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, hey, that's okay. That means the the pool is working and you're getting stuff done. But we'd always have those handful of one or two guys that were a disruption, that actually complained so much and had such an attitude uh, that it was actually delaying uh, our timelines, delaying our mission. It was actually inhibiting what we were doing, and so that is what really sticks out in the forefront of your mind as an employer or, or as a leader or as a division officer or as an LPO. Uh, you know, that person who doesn't want to do it. I used to, I actually told one or two of my sailors, listen, you know, just get out. Just go on AWOL. If it's that bad, because you don't want to be around those people that are negative all the time. We have another term for those. You've heard this before. They're called life suckers. That they just, everything is negative. Nothing's ever good. If anything bad is going to happen, it's going to happen to them. Listen, nobody wants to hang around those people. The world is filled with that. Who wants that? What we want is joy and life and, and happiness. Uh, merriment doth the heart well like good medicine, the proverb says. And so, you know, have, have a have good attitude. Look, look people in the eye when you're talking with them. Be polite. Treat, treat others. This is the golden rule that Yeshua said in the Sermon on the Mount. Treat others as you would like to be treated. And, you know, in your, your appearance, whether you uh, wear dress clothes or if you've got work clothes or if you've got a work uniform, but, you know, have it clean and have it neat. Uh, it doesn't mean some, listen, I work construction for years. I get it. I would sometimes come home and have dried concrete on my shoes. and on my, But the next morning I went to work with clean clothes. The shirt was buttoned. There wasn't tears or shreds, all the, although today uh, apparently uh, you buy jeans with holes in them. That's kind of baffling to me. Uh, but, you know, you, you take care of yourself. Have a personal grooming habits that are good, you know. Uh, once in a blue moon, we'd come across a sailor in the Navy, and this is, this is really critical in a submarine. They didn't want to shower. And this would almost create mutiny when you're in very close quarters and you've got a person that hasn't showered in a week or eight days, and, uh, you know, the emanation coming from them is overwhelming. And there was a threat to actually have a team take them down, and uh, we're going to give them a scrub brush shower if they don't do it. So, you know, have proper personal grooming habits. Have good hygiene. Have a healthy diet. First impressions are lasting impressions. Remember, you are the temple of the living God, so take care of the temple. And listen, you know, your vehicle, your home, all those things. Matter of fact, as we're in the springtime here, and I've just spent the last three or four days uh, grooming my yard, putting fresh bark down, cleaning all the the white trim of my house, getting everything cleaned up. And, uh, and you know, I, it, it's coming. I'm not there yet, but it looks really great. I learned from a, a command master chief a long time ago when I used to do submarine inspections. And he, and he told me, he said, uh, you know, when you get 
on board the ship, look around topside and look at the outside first. He said, because what you find on the outside is what you're going to find on the inside. So if we saw line handlers topside and their uniforms were sloppy and their shirt tails weren't tucked in and their caps were dirty and they were dirty and there was rushed around topside and, and there was chaos and disorder, we would find that exact same thing inside the submarine. And so the outward appearance reflects what's on the inside. And so Rabitzin is a meticulous uh, keeper of the home she cleans four or five times a week she does laundry every day uh you know she sweeps she mops she so when you see my house it looks neat and tidy on the outside but guess what you're going to find the same thing on the inside and so take care of your car even if it's old keep it cleaned up uh, i try to stick up with this keep up with it you know it's something we have psalmist come in we have paul wilbur come in we have dr greg silverman i do my best to, before i pick them up i will have the car detailed to have it swept and cleaned to put my best foot forward and uh, and you know keep up the regular maintenance on it uh <laughs> every day one of my jobs in the house i make the bed Rabitzin and I, we, we split the house details, but we don't leave the bed all crumpled up. Something I learned at the Navy, as soon as you get up, you make your bed, take the trash out, keep everything in tune and be faithful in the little things and God will make you the ruler over much. And I want to talk about stewardship of, of borrowed items. You know, if you borrow something, return it in better condition. We borrowed other uh, congregations' vans when we didn't have one. And, uh, and I think I talked about this uh, several talks ago, but it, it fits in here. I, I, you pick up the vehicle. They, they give you the keys. It's such a blessing. They let you use it. You look at the gas tank. It's got a quarter tank of gas. It's like, oh, well, you know, we're, we're taking a, a group up to the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C. So that means i got to fill it before I go. But when I returned that vehicle, listen to me. This is a spirit of excellence. I washed it. I washed it. It looked like it just came off the showroom floor. I, I'm so appreciative that, that they allowed me to use it that I want to be a good steward. I would take it and clean out the inside. I would armor all the dash and, and clean the windows and completely top it off with gas. I gave it back better than how it was given to me. If someone loans me a yard tool or something, and uh, no matter what condition, I'm going to send it back with a full tank of gas with the blade sharpened and it cleaned off and washed. Y you see where this is going? And, and so it, it's stewardship of what we do. This also goes into even take care of your household, of paying your bills on time, of tithing. Excellence equals stewardship. Now, the opposite of excellence is performing mediocre. It's average. It's being a procrastinator. It's laziness. It's compromise. It's low motivation, poor communicator, prideful, complacent, arrogant, apathetic, boastful, conceited, callous, inconsistent, excuse-driven. Always a reason why something's not done. Unreliable, unforgiving, negative, fearful, doubtful, slothful, easily offended. And so we don't want the opposite of excellence. We want excellence. So we've got to pursue excellence in all areas of our life. So we see with all this is just the intro, but we begin to see a prevalence here, a necessity for pursuing excellence in all areas of our lives. Now, excellence isn't perfection because none of us are perfect. We're all damaged goods. We're all born with corrupt DNA. But that's not a reason for not doing our very best, for putting our best foot forward. Because I, before we move any farther, if you're a child of God, you represent the king. <laughs> I, I got to share another story that, that it's really pings on this. Uh, we needed gutters on our house, on the back part of the I bought my house that had no gutters on it. And we have a deck in back, and we expanded that deck but the water would come off the roof and it would damage the floorboards, the deck boards of our new deck. 
So I wanted the leaf guard the gutters put on, and uh, believe this or not, I contacted six gutter businesses, and every one of them I looked for a believing, a Christian, a Messianic. You know, we I want to sow my money back into the kingdom. This is something else that I do when, when we're having housework done, uh, you know, any construction, any building, even our uh, auto maintenance. I, I want to sow back into the kingdom and support believing businesses. And so we've all done this. What are you looking for? You know, the little Roman fish symbol on the advertisement. Or, uh, you know, God bless you. We're looking for those little key things that, oh, this must be a believer. Can you believe five of those six that I contacted all had that lingo? They all had that stuff on their uh, webpage or on their advertisement. Not one of them, not one, returned my call or made an appointment. If I did it online, showed up to my house at the appointment on time uh, as we had agreed to. So what we see is a very poor representation of the kingdom of God. They're saying they're doing this, but they're they're not showing a spirit of excellence. They're showing mediocrity. They're showing laziness, slothfulness. The, the company that did come in didn't have that symbols and stuff on it, but he, he made me an appointment at 1 o'clock on a Tuesday in a five minutes to one. He showed up at my door. We walked in. We sat down. I said, you've got the job. He said, wait, you haven't even heard the estimate. I said, you've got the job. I said, because if you will be uh, faithful in the small things, then I know you will be in the greater things, and the job will be done with excellence. And I had my gutters put on. And so we've got to pursue it, but it can't be a persona. We can't put on the symbols of this and then do something different. It's got to be action. It's got to be deeds in what we do. We've got to pursue excellence in all areas of our life. And there's a few things that go into this that help us build this in who we are. We have to value excellence. Colossians 3, verse 23 says, Whatever work you do, put yourself into it as those who are serving not merely other people but the Lord. So listen, it it doesn't matter if you're an assembly line worker. It doesn't matter if you own your own business. It doesn't matter if you're an employee or an employer, if you work for the state, if you've got a government job or you're self-employed. Whatever you're doing, put yourself into it as if you're not serving other people or companies but Adonai, but the Lord himself. A leader doesn't follow everybody, but stands out. And an area that a leader will stand out is in excellence. Don't compromise or just go with the flow. If you're in an office, if you're at a business and everyone else is just skating by, uh, you know, and they'll start making fun of you, right? Because th- this, is, this is a whole nother message, but jealousy manifests itself first in ridicule. And so if you're working hard and if you're pursuing excellence, those around you uh, will start a... What are you trying to ruin everything we got going on here? But you want to stand out. A leader doesn't follow. He stands out. She stands out. Don't compromise or go with the flow. Choose to stand out. God calls us to set the highest standard possible. Be an example for others to follow. You know, I've said this in years past, haven't said this in a while, but coming from uh, Hampton Roads area here, and we're right on the Chesapeake Bay, we have a little nugget here called the crab theology, and this is true. You put up five or six uh, blue crabs in a bucket right out of Chesapeake Bay, and they'll all fight with each other at the bottom of the bucket. But the minute one of those crabs starts to climb up the bucket to get out, you know what the other crabs do? They pull it down. They pull it down. And so we see this behavior reflected among people, that if, you're, if you are attempting to stand out and, and you want to be a, 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 you know, a leader and, and you want to do the highest excellent job, the highest standard possible. The others are going to try to pull you down. Don't let it happen. 
Don't let them do it. Don't succumb to crab theology. Don't listen to their ridicule. Next, don't settle for average. Again, I said this earlier. We, we, I heard this in the shipyard. I've heard it in the Navy. Well, good enough for government work. I heard another one that said uh, first-time quality, second-time overtime. And listen, that, that's, that's not representative of the kingdom of God. We're seeking excellence. God deserves the very best. When you go back and look in Leviticus and you read in Numbers, and, and it talks about the sacrificial system when we still had the temple. And, and this is a reminder that these weren't sin sacrifices. They were for inadvertent transgressions or fellowship, thanksgiving, shalemim offerings. But when you brought it unto the Lord, there's a reason why we expect those lambs for four days between the 10th of Nisan and the 14th of Nisan, because it's to be without defect. You, you hear me? You see where this is going? When you brought a sacrifice to the Lord... You didn't do mediocrity. You, you didn't do, well, find an average one and give it to him. The Lord only takes the very best. He takes the first fruits. He takes the first harvest. He takes the first pressing of olive oil because it doesn't have all the sediment in it. The purest, best sacrifices is what honors God. Anything else is unacceptable. And so to understand this, this, this is an understanding that takes time to build up within you. But we have to do our very best for Adonai. He demands of it. 2 Peter 1, verse 5 says, Make every effort to apply the benefits of these promises to your life. Then your faith will produce a life of moral excellence. A life of moral excellence leads to knowing God better. What a phenomenal connection here that as we pursue excellence, we actually start drawing closer to Adonai. And and I believe that most of you listening, you want a, a more intimate relationship with God, with Adonai. To do so through his son Yeshua... You start living a life of excellence, and a life of moral excellence leads to knowing God better, more intimate relationship with him. Next, pay attention to detail. Every aspect of our lives requires this and all that you do. Matthew 25, verse 21 said, His master said to him, Excellent, you are a good and trustworthy servant. You have been faithful with a small amount, so I will put you in charge of a large amount. Come and join in your master's happiness. God seeks excellence from us in all that we do. Leaders must examine and evaluate their work to determine its completeness. Details will reveal what needs to be corrected. As I shared with my father earlier, he had an eye for this, and the slightest thing out of whack came right to his attention. Because, listen, if you start a half inch off at the foundation, you'll be 10 inches off when you get to the top. And so the longer this goes, the worse out of alignment it becomes. And so you want the foundations of whatever you do to stand true to a plumb line, whether it be your business, your work, your children, your spouse, relationships, it's all in the details. And the details will reveal what needs to be corrected. Don't ignore or overlook a mistake. If you see something wrong that can be improved, fix it, resolve it. Don't settle for good. It's not good enough. Don't settle for mediocrity. Look for the great. Seek the excellence in all that you do. Next, remain committed to what matters. This is so critical. Mark 12, verses 28 through 30. One of the Torah teachers came up and heard them engaged in this discussion. Seeing that Yeshua answered them well, he asked him, which is the most important mitzvah of them all? And Yeshua answered, verse 29, the most important is Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your understanding, with all your strength. What you sow is what you will reap. 
Don't lose the focus of your calling. Don't lose the focus of your business or your job. Complacency and apathy destroy excellence. Stay sharp. Stay focused. Keep bearing down upon what God ordained for you to do. Listen, if you have a business and you sell flowers, you sell the best flowers at the best prices at the highest quality possible. If you're in construction, you build the best house with the highest quality. You know, I noticed something here. I keep coming back to this, but I got to Virginia. I noticed there, there's no overhangs. And every house we built had an 18-inch overhang on the gables and on the main walls. And what that does is ensure that all the moisture and everything is wicked away from the house, not coming down upon the walls. When you don't have that, what you've got is a cheaper construction. You've got a lower-quality house. And see how this all folds together? So I can immediately look at the outside of a house and tell you what the quality is by looking how it was constructed. So don't lose focus of what you're doing, of what what your calling is in the kingdom of God, what your business is. Do it and do it well and do it with excellence. Next, display integrity and sound ethics. First Chronicles 29 verse 17, I know also, my God, that you test the heart and take pleasure in integrity. As for myself, I've given all these things willingly in the integrity of my heart. And now with joy, I've seen your people who are present here give willingly to you. Psalms 101, verse 6, I look to the faithful of the land so that they can be my companions. Those who live lives of integrity can be servants of mine. This comes back to all that you do. Integrity is what you do when you think no one's watching. And the building trade, if you come across an issue, listen, we could have just framed it over and covered it up, but we never did that. In auto mechanics, if you found an issue, you told the owner, hey, you know, I can put a new tire on here for you, but the car needs aligned. And if you don't get an alignment, you're going to be right back in the same position six months from now. It's having business ethics. It's it's having integrity and walking it out. It's not just talking about it, but business ethics, morality in business, morality even in ministry. Listen, we got to be stewards of the little things. If you have business hours from 9 to 4.30, then it's got to be 9 to 4.30. Uh, If people call the office and they can't get someone to answer the phone at 10 o'clock, that doesn't show good ethics or integrity. So it's in the little things. See how these things all come together? So there's got to be integrity and ethics in all that you do. It's got to be above board. Uh, You know, I speak a lot. Well, the last year with COVID, not so much. But over the years, uh, I've been blessed to be able to speak at, at a lot of churches, a lot of conferences, really, are, across this country and around the world. And uh, and one of the things that always comes up is they say, well, uh, you know, wh- what is it for your uh, for your offering? Do you have a set amount, weddings or funerals? I said, uh, no. Uh, you know, we don't have a price list. It's between you and God, and uh, you give an offering uh, what you think is uh, appropriate with what we're doing. Uh, but an honorarium, if I go to a church and, uh, and sometimes they collect money, sometimes they write a check, but all of those things don't come with a paycheck with tax stubs and they, they just give me funds. I, I write all those down on my calendar everywhere I go. If it's a date, if it's, you know, Sunday, April the 4th, and I spoke at such and such a place, I write the place down when I went there, what I spoke about and what the honorarium was. Now, listen to me, when it comes tax time, I take that calendar with me. And I write down all that income that I got over the year that that in the business realm, you know what they call that? Money under the table. And a lot of places do that. But if you're a believer, you can't pay people under the table and you can't receive money under the table because that's unethical. Yeshua said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Give them their money. I tied that as well. And so in that, it just prospers and becomes more and more. But this is the integrity and the ethics that I'm talking about. 
Next, we have to show genuine respect for others. Romans 12, verse 10 says, Love each other devotedly and with brotherly love and set examples for each other in showing respect. Great leaders have a spirit of excellence. Excellence should be foundation of any organization's culture. Every leader needs to expect excellence from their staff. Excellence earns respect, but that excellence also has to be modeled. It has to be revealed to the staff. So this should be a core foundation of your business, of your organization, of your ministry, whatever that is. Listen, you've got to respect each other. There's got to be brotherly love involved in this because in the end, we're not doing this for worldly uh, wealth or worldly uh, rewards. We're doing this to build crowns in heaven. We're building eternity by what we do here in this earth. So you've got to build respect, and it's got to be done with ethics and with integrity. Next, you've got to go the extra mile. So many people don't stay long enough to finish the race. In 2 Timothy 4, verse 7, it says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Here's a sobering statistic. Whenever people are striving for a goal, 90% of people stop when they're within 10% of the goal. Listen, go that extra mile, and, and, and this goes hand in hand with being committed. So not only do you got to go that second mile, that extra mile, you've got to have the commitment. Listen, you, you, you've got to be who you are 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If you're working for the kingdom of God, then that's who you're. There, there's no time off from this. There's no six or eight hours where you're not in the kingdom of God and you can go out and do whatever you want to do. No, you're committed 110%. And so you've got to stay the course. Even when it looks like you're not going to make it, that's when you're closest to it. It's always darkest before the dawn. And so keep at it. Stick to it. If you're in business, keep at it. Go for the spirit of excellence. Keep pressing in. It will come to pass. You've got to demonstrate consistency. This is what the world finds unbelieving about us. We're not consistent. What we say and what we do in the kingdom of God are often two different things. Acts 26, verses 20. On the contrary, I announced first at Damascus, then in Jerusalem and throughout Judah, and also to the Goim, to the nations, that they did turn from their sins to God and then do deeds consistent with that repentance. There's got to be consistency. When we first started, this is something I learned very early on. When we first started Shabbat services almost 21 years ago, for the first few months, we started once a month. Then as it expanded, we went to two services a month. So we went the first and third Rev Shabbat. As we were sharing spaces with our host church, they would have a conference. So they would say, hey, listen, on the, the third Friday of this month, you, you have it scheduled, but we have this three-day conference, so uh, can we move you to the fourth? And so in, in ignorance, at first I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure, no problem. But here's the problem. We'd advertise the first and the third. So the third Rev Shabbat come, our people show up at the door, we're not here. And there's nothing on the door that says come back next week. So what happened, it started being negative to growth. If you're the pastor, if you're the rabbi, man, I'm, I'm telling you, you can't miss more than two or three services a year. There's got to be consistency. If you're having services, then have services and show up on time at the same day every week and do it. If, you ha if you're running a business, then you've got to have set hours. You've got to be consistent. You can reach us between this time and this time. They've got to be able to get a hold of you. They're, they're, the consistency is the key to excellence. It's the foundation to it. What we say and what we do, they can't be two different things. And all too often, that's the way it is. We've got to have ethics and integrity, and we've got to be consistent. Next, never stop improving. 
Jeremiah 7 verse 3 says, here's what Adonai Sevaot, the God of Israel says, improve your ways and actions and I will let you stay in this place. Excellence is a choice and it must become a habit. A habit is born in consistency. You see how these two tie in together? Good habits develop excellence and ensure success. Bad habits results in discouragement and failure. Habits are a process, not an event. Keep improving. Keep working at it. Uh, Listen, the books that I read now, I have two or three leadership books I'm currently reading right now, biblical-based. I'm always seeking to improve how I speak. I'm seeking to improve how I write messages. Our entire staff here, we're, we're constantly seeking to improve how we do the services, what our online footprint looks like, how good the sound is, I'm sorry, the fidelity of it, of, of the video, how clear is it, uh, is, is the audio and the video matching, the quality of the songs, the quality of the musicians. Never, ever do we stop improving. If we stop improving, it means you no longer have a teachable spirit and you've plateaued. You're distancing yourself from God. It's always improving yourself in all that you do. You've never reached it. You're never there. The kingdom of God is always expanding. It's always improving. We don't do the things we did 50 years ago. We want freshness. We want fresh manna from heaven every day, not yesterday's stale manna. Next, You've got to always give 100%. I'm going to say you need to give 101%. Psalms 86, verse 12, I will thank you, Adonai, my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. Not not part-time service, not a third of my heart, not two-thirds of my heart, but I will thank you, Adonai, my God, with my whole entire heart, 100%. This is what we refer to as being sold out to the kingdom. Matthew 16, verse 24, Then Yeshua told his Talmudim, If anyone wants to come after me, let him say no to himself, take up his execution stake, and keep following me. So you've always got to give 100%. You've got to slay the flesh. You've got to be in this. You've got to have skin in the game. You've got to be on top of it 24-7, seven days a week. And again, no matter what you're doing, because no matter if you're a business owner, if you're an employer or an employee, if you work for the state, you're a bureaucrat, it doesn't matter All that we do, we're doing as if we're doing it for Adonai. So as believers, we're all in this together. And so your work ethics, your morality, all that you do should be a reflection of the kingdom of God. And so can you imagine if God was only 80%? Where would we all be? God is 110% every day, 24-7, seven days a week, 365 days a year, year after year. He's the same God yesterday as he is today as he will be tomorrow. We have to reflect that in our lives and all that we do. And no matter what we do, we've got to give it 110% all the time. And lastly, make excellence a lifestyle. 2 Peter 1 verse 3, God's power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowing the one who has called us to his own glory and goodness. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him, who called us by his own glory and excellence. This is from the New American Standard. And so there's a connection here. Excellence opens doors and grants favor in all that you do, both in, in clientele if you're a business or in the kingdom of God as you're sharing the good news. Proverbs 22, verse 29 says, Do you see a man skilled at his work? He will serve kings, not obscure people. It's interesting to me today that I was reading about Jonathan and his armor bearer that pushed back the entire Philistine army. Jonathan's name by name, his armor bearer, who did everything he did, we never hear his name. But yet, 
were given the names of the skilled craftsmen who made the tabernacle, who made the ark, who, who put together the mishkan, because a man is skilled at his work, he will serve kings, not obscure people. In fact, serve Adonai himself. Daniel 6, verse 3, Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. And the key to all this, excellence. It will open the door. Your gifts will make a way. And if you do it with a spirit of excellence, you'll stand before kings, before governments, before presidents, before Congress. You will have the best business possible. You will beat the competition because the blessings of the Most High God will be upon you. You'll expand. You will reap a hundredfold harvest in the midst of famine. It doesn't matter what the economy does around you. If you do all that you do for the king with a spirit of excellence, he will bless you supernaturally and the righteous will never go for want. Mishpacha, I pray this has blessed you. May the Lord bless you and keep you as you work and excel to seek a spirit of excellence. Shalom. Shalom.